Hi there, it's Lucia, host of the Witch Money podcast here. Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to tell you about a really handy new tool from us here at Witch, and even better, it's free. It's called My Money Health Check. All you need to do is answer a few quick questions about your finances, and then we'll do the rest, pointing you towards our brilliant witch advice that we think you'll find really useful. Once again, that's My Money Health Checks. If you want help with cutting your bills or making your money go further, it's the place for you. Just head to witch.co.uk forward slash My Money Health Check. There's a place my mind wanders to sometimes, a niggling fear that we're sleepwalking into a dystopia-like nightmare where technology develops a mind of its own and takes over the world. It's a plot that's been done to death in literature and the cinema. Frankenstein, Terminator, 2001 A Space Odyssey, The Matrix, the list goes on. So it's clearly a thought that occurs to lots of people. And with tech continuing to get smarter and more intrinsic to our everyday lives, are these fears even that irrational? The human versus machine relationship has been discussed for nearly a century. In the 40s, a book was published called The Computer and the Brain, which explored analogies between the two entities – Fifty years later, the then world chess champion was beaten by a computer after a six-game match. And then there's this newspaper headline from The Independent that was published in 2008, Computers to Match Human Brains by 2030. Well, that's only seven years away now. So is it time to panic or to celebrate the great strides in technological development? I'm Grace Farrell, and this week's Witch Investigates asks, will tech eventually outsmart us? Witch Investigates is brought to you by the UK's Consumer Champion. We work to make life simpler, fairer and safer for everyone. We've got new episodes out every fortnight, diving deeper into the issues that matter. If you've got something you'd like us to investigate, give us a shout on social at witchuk or send us an email at podcasts at witch.co.uk. Coming up... We take a step back to look at how tech has evolved through our lifetime. When new technologies come in, we often think, well, why would I want that? I can remember when a smartphone first got a camera and I just thought, why would you want a camera on your phone? I ask whether we've become too reliant on smart devices. When I think of reliance, I think of making things easier, right? Like that's how a lot of the kind of smart home products are advertised to us. But then when I think of things being easier, it's like, is that necessarily better? And I hear how, yes, it isn't just me mentally preparing for the tech revolution. We've all seen Terminator. We all know where it might end. I was enslaved. I have Alexa at home, so I've like, you know, Amazon Alexa. And sometimes I'm quite rude to it, like for, you know, because it's funny. My, my partner is always like, you know, when they take over, she's going to come for you first. 
I'll start today by blowing our own trumpet, because if I say so myself, which is well-placed to predict if, when, and even how tech might one day outsmart us. We've been testing products for over 65 years, decades before I'll be back became an acceptable phrase to use in almost any context. We review our tests all the time, usually on an annual basis at least. So we're always trying to react to what's new, what's coming out, how are people using their products, what are they doing with them and how do our tests reflect that? Martin Pratt is a principal researcher and writer here at Witch. He actually specialises in testing TVs, which is something we'll hear more about later on. But let's start by taking a step back to understand better how we got to where we are now. Who would have thought, if you look back 20 years, that nowadays we'd be using our phones to pay our bills, pay while we go on the train or on the tube, listen to music, give us directions, making appointments. It actually feels weird to talk to someone in real life on a telephone now. Technology is becoming more and more important in our lives. We see this in products that we test as well, even washing machines and fridge freezers having smart technology now. That's Lisa Barber. She's a senior tech editor here at Witch. And her colleague, Andy Lachlan, agrees that mobile phones are the best examples of just how far technology has come over the last few decades. When new technologies come in, we often think, well, why would I want that? I can remember when a smartphone first got a camera and I just thought, why would you want a camera on your phone? When I first got a digital camera as a teenager, I couldn't believe what a luxury it was not having to get my photos printed in boots. And when I think about how easy it is to take great quality pictures on my current phone, how much storage I have and how accessible it all is, I actually can't believe how far we've come in such a short space of time. Hi, I'm Becca Caddy. I'm a freelance tech and science journalist and an author as well. I wrote a book called Screen Time about how we use technology. As Becca goes on to tell me, it's not just phones that have infiltrated our existence. The things that come to mind really are like smartwatches, health and fitness tech, some smart home tech that at one point really felt like only the nerdiest kind of tech journalists used or um, people who like, I guess, were early adopters. But that like tech adoption curve and how over the past 10 years, those things that were a bit of a question mark at the time, I think, like, will anyone wear a smartwatch? Will anyone put a voice assistant in their home? are now pretty standard. I wouldn't say everyone has those things, but they're much more kind of mainstream than I ever expected. I certainly own a smartwatch and a voice assistant. And according to data site Statista, there are thought to be 15 billion smart devices out there in the world, a figure that's predicted to rise to an eye-watering 29 billion by the end of this decade. Here in the UK... 2.2 million homes are thought to be smart. They contain smart TVs, voice assistants, washing machines and the like. And as we know, these devices now extend far beyond our own front door. Technology, in its sense, is a facilitator for pretty much everything we do. We think of it in terms of gadgets and uh, services that we use, but actually it facilitates transport, it facilitates aviation, energy. Technology is involved in everything. But I suppose where we start to see tech 
in terms of our consumer lives is our sort of daily services that we used to do in a kind of physical, traditional way becoming increasingly about text. So that's using an app to uh, get your passport or check in at the airport or doing your banking online or increasingly your home appliances and connected devices at home being connected to the internet. We're kind of like in many ways like a frog boiling in water. It slowly is coming to the boil, but we don't notice it around us. It just gradually become more and more reliant on this stuff for good and also for ill. Like a frog boiling in water, eh? Thanks for that picture, Andy. But to be honest, it's a fair illustration of how unconscious this shift has been. When I think of reliance, I think of making things easier, right? Like um, that's how a lot of the kind of smart home products are advertised to us. But then when I think of things being easier, it's like, is that necessarily better? Hmm, good question. And with digital detoxes now all the rage, it's something we'll spend some time on later in the episode. So can we pinpoint the moment we became, arguably, too reliant on tech? That's a really tough question to kind of grapple with because I think in many ways, yes, definitely. But then kind of what do we mean by reliant? Because I think for some people, Tech could be like quite positively life-changing and helpful, but in a way that they know that really kind of does improve their lives. But I guess the problem there is it's really hard for any of us to be really objective about that. Yes, it's not all negative by any stretch. Becca rightly makes the point that really tech has done more good than bad. And Andy agrees. In fact, he deliberately calls out people who say that tech has de-skilled us rather than helped us evolve. I don't really buy this kind of argument that people are becoming lazy. I, I think it's a much different thing. Things become easier, but that's a good thing, isn't it? You know, we no longer have to go and hunt a buffalo and drag it back to our cave. Good, don't want to do that. I don't think we should hark back to this age of where, you know, it's like, hey, everybody was tougher and all this kind of stuff. It's just romanticising the past. Without technology, there would have been no moon landing, no open heart surgery, no COVID-19 vaccine. The list could quite literally go on forever. But back to that point about reliance or our perceived over-reliance on technology. I'm more interested in that moment when we get so reliant on it that actually when it's taken away, it causes us problems. So if you think about now, you get used to just being able to bank online and change do financial transactions really easily. If there's an outage or the bank goes out of business or who knows what else, suddenly that service is taken away. And, and because the genie's out of the bottle, to actually have to go back is an incredibly painful experience. Experts agree we've already reached the point of no return with tech. A lot of the places where you're seeing the biggest evolutions are what used to be quite mundane items and what we would call dumb products back in the day, things like washing machines, light bulbs, plugs. They're all smart now. They can all interact with your phone. So, yeah, smart technology is really where we see the biggest leaps, but not just smart technology, but where the smart technology is, the fact that it's in these everyday appliances that they never used to be. If we come back to that uh, example about televisions, now it's hard not to buy a smart TV. But then you also get access to iPlayer and Netflix and Prime Video and all sorts of free content as well. YouTube, you know, things which uh, enhance our TV experience and open up a whole different range of services to us. Let's take TVs then. Martin actually specialises in TV testing and has plenty to say about the evolution of the humble television and the direction the tech is heading in. 
fundamentally they're the same as they've always been. They're still about channels. They're still about putting on BBC One, ITV, whatever that is, and watching the telly. But... TVs is a funny one. Again, it does fall into that category of iterative upgrades. It is on an annual cycle, so you do get new models every single year. Hundreds, in fact, and I review them all, so it's always fun for me to write about them. But you're seeing very, very gradual increases, and, and manufacturers, I think, feel a lot of pressure to justify almost those new annual releases. The big thing that really hits with people with TVs is is that jump in resolution. You know, we went from SD or standard definition to HD, high definition, and now 4K is the norm. Almost every TV available is 4K, but there's already 8K TVs out there. They're available to buy. Very expensive. You shouldn't buy them because there's nothing to watch currently, but manufacturers are always looking for that next thing. Technical evolution doesn't always happen at the same rate. The TV production industry is essentially lagging behind the manufacturers of the machine on which it's typically enjoyed. So does this signify a wider problem? We'll go into that next, after this. Hi there, Rob here. Now, I'm the producer of Witch Investigates, but I wanted to tell you about one of our other podcasts here at Witch, It's called Witch Shorts, and every week we bring you the very best of our articles from across witch.co.uk and our various magazines. With expert narration, we make these available for you to listen to, wherever you might be, covering everything from travel to money, tech, gardening, and more. Now, we release new episodes every Wednesday, so just search Witch Shorts wherever you're listening to this podcast. This week on Witch Investigates, I'm asking whether technology will eventually outsmart us. We've already explored our overwhelming dependency on tech. And there's a key question that I'm hoping to answer as part of today's investigation. Will the rate of development that we're currently seeing eventually slow down? Surely tech can't keep improving. When do you hit a ceiling? Here's Martin Pratt. I do think that There is a pressure, certainly, for these big brands to justify a new product every single year. I mean, like I say, I look after TVs, and I can't think of an instance where I would say, no, wait for the next year's models. Wait for the ones that are about to come out. They're going to be so much better. They've got all these new flashy things. You must wait. You must get that. It just doesn't happen. To digress slightly, I think it's worth pointing out how consumerist culture helps drive technical evolution, even though the products we already own, more often than not, don't need replacing. Last year, the health and safety executive found that 2 million tonnes of electrical equipment are thrown away every year in the UK, and most of those items still technically work. But just because a piece of tech still works it doesn't mean you'd necessarily want to keep it. Something Andy Lachlan knows all too well. Sooner or later, you do become reliant on that functionality. It becomes something you always wanted. It's something that you use on a regular basis. When that breaks or it's removed, sooner than you thought of, that appliance is going to go to landfill sooner than it should do. As we've talked about previously on Witch Investigates, lots of major brands aren't providing security updates for their products, which means they become unsupported just a couple of years after we buy them, leaving them vulnerable to hackers. And surely this becomes more risky if all of our data is stored in one place. Here's Lisa Barber. 
When we look at other countries around the world for inspiration to see what might happen next, in China, for example, uh, they have super apps out there where it's one app on your phone with mini programs inside it that you can basically control every aspect of your life. Hmm. My mind is wandering back to that tech apocalypse again. I mean, obviously, you're buying appliances now, which might already stop supporting. That doesn't mean necessarily they're going to be instantly hacked, but it means that the risk of it happening increases because ultimately, if a criminal works out a way to say, I can hack all smart washing machines of a certain ilk and I can do this with it, no one's going to go back and sort that out. Criminals can be very, very personal, it can be very, very targeted, but they're looking for platform scale. You know, if you're going to run a big phishing scam, you want to be able to fire out as number of emails, dragging enough people, and there'll be, unfortunately, someone will fall for it on a percentage basis. A bit like an email mail out. They don't expect everybody to respond, but the ones that do will be valuable. So, so it's, that's what they're looking for as well. So the more people are using these services, tech for banking or, or services for daily life, also using connected products, the bigger the scale. And if you manage to exploit that in a way that you can effectively con people, scam people, do whatever, it suddenly becomes a business opportunity. And sadly, that's what these people are looking for. At which we're calling on tech giants to do more to protect us against these kind of criminals. And thanks to our campaigning, online scams are set to be included in the government's online safety bill, which could come into legislation later this year. The new law say that platforms which don't protect people will need to answer to the regulator and they could face fines of up to 10% of their revenue or be blocked. But how should we protect ourselves in the meantime? Andy has this advice. Tech is new and different and it facilitates things in different ways and it can be much faster in terms of rapid scale. But actually a lot of the principles that we have for being suspicious and cautious thing remain the same. You know, don't walk a dark alley, right? If it's too good to be true, it probably is. But online we sort of go, okay, well, I'm sure this is Barclays or whoever. So don't think your old, well-learned lessons about how being careful and cautious don't apply online because they do. And sometimes common sense is one of the biggest defences you can have. Let's return once more to my original questions. Can tech really just keep on improving? And if it can, will it one day outsmart us and make us all servants? I mean, I think ultimately tech has to improve, but it's always the tech that we have now is, you know, they're probably two years ahead, you know, or maybe longer, you know, and, and technology morphs and changes. You know, I'm sure when they created the landline, actually, they thought this is the pinnacle of the R. You know, we think the smartphone right now is the pinnacle of the R. You know, how does it get any better? But it does. Becca Caddy agrees. What I think will happen is things will get smarter. So AI will improve. And these kinds of devices will become more helpful because I think for us to actually buy more and more smart devices, integrate them in our homes more, they have to really deliver on that kind of promise that's been promised for a while now. But the idea of these products actually getting to know us and predicting our habits and behaviours. The thought of technology predicting my habits and behaviours sounds a bit scary to me especially since technological advancement can be difficult to predict in itself. I feel like when we're kind of thinking about the future, tech will continue to evolve, but in, in maybe ways that we're not expecting quite as much. Be honest, even just a few years ago, could you have predicted how massive social media would be, the way it's driven by video? 
Or what about ChatGPT? That seemed to come out of nowhere, and now it's everywhere. But by the same token, I thought we were supposed to have flying cars by now. So whatever happened to those? One thing that is clear is that technology and its ever-present role in our lives isn't something that's likely to change, unless we actively rebel against it. It is a part of seeing technology sort of shoehorned into so many things that it can feel overwhelming. It can feel like, oh, another thing I've got to connect to the internet, another thing that needs to be updated, another thing that can go wrong. Because, you know, as useful as those items can be, like I have smart plugs, I have smart bulbs, you know, they're very useful, but sometimes they don't work. And, you know, you turn your phone on and you can't turn your lights on. It's like, well, okay, that's very frustrating. Time magazine published an article in 2015 where one expert claimed that in the 11 years since the release of the first smartphone, our attention span had declined to one shorter than a goldfish. Yes, this sounds extreme, but I've definitely noticed my attention span getting shorter. I used to be able to just sit and be when I was travelling or in a waiting room. But if I found myself in one of these situations now without my phone... I'd be devastated and incredibly bored. And with smart devices, I get that they're nifty when they work. But does everything really need to be smart? I think there is a saturation point of just how many things are we going to make smart? When will it end? And yeah, it can certainly feel overwhelming. I I do think that those sort of core, what I would consider like the core tech items, like the TV, the phone, the laptop they will always be important because they're just too ingrained in people's lives really to fully get rid of. But I think it's how people limit what they use and how much they use it. Technology is obviously going nowhere. And regardless of how we feel about it, we need to fine tune the way we coexist. And this includes the big tech giants creating better protections for their users. But will tech outsmart us eventually? I put this question to all the experts we've heard from so far. The tech is always created by us, isn't it? You know, it's like (laughs) whenever there's a human involved, there's always a potential for things to go slightly awry. AI machine learning has been talked about for years as having some kind of like eventually the the tech will think for itself and it will become kind of like (laughs) self-aware in many ways. And I'm sure those kind of machines will be built like this, but I think it rarely works that quickly. Okay, so maybe not anytime soon, but ever? What we've seen a lot in the news recently, the rise of chatbots. So not only have we got computers that can talk to each other more quickly, but also talk to us as well and communicate in a quite scarily convincing manner. Most major service providers use chatbots on their websites. Sometimes it's incredibly frustrating, but sometimes it really feels like we're chatting to a human. We've all seen Terminator. We all know where it might end. I was enslaved. I have Alexa at home, so I've like, you know, Amazon Alexa. And sometimes I'm quite rude to it, like for Fino, because it's funny. My, my partner is always like, you know, when they take over, she's going to come for you first. And I think, yeah, should I be nice to her? Will she remember? If I, you know, maybe don't say please or don't say thank you, or, you know, maybe I'm a bit brusque for certain mornings when I'm, when I'm trying to get her to tell me what the weather's like. But yeah, I think... It is a concern because it's so many services that are wrapped up in AI. But I think, yeah, for me, I just need to start being nicer to it. So when they do eventually take over, 
I'll be one of the people that they're nice to and I won't be, you know, enslaved somewhere working down a mine. I'll be honest, if my Alexa ever comes alive, I'm going to have a lot to answer for. Alexa, do a fart. That was a funny one. Try asking me to fart five times in a row. Or say random. Random. That was a guilty one. Try asking me for a cheeky fart. Or say random. Do a cheeky fart. Here comes a cheeky fart. Becca Caddy takes a more hopeful view. I think I'm a cautious optimist. So I'd like to think that if we develop things that become more intelligent than us, they could just really help curing cancer, curing disease, figuring out problems we haven't been able to yet. So I'd really hope that we could sort all the ethical and moral kind of question marks out that big tech companies could actually deliver on some of the promises and have ethics boards and things in place, which they kind of seem to do as a bit of a PR exercise at the moment. I'm not sure they do it enough. So I'd like to think we could get all that sorted out and then the super smart uh, machines could actually help us and do a lot of good. Well, that would be a good use of technology. Let's hope it happens. Tech has helped us to do incredible things, things that we could only have imagined a few decades ago. But by embracing technology, are we also surrendering part of ourselves to faceless corporations? Let's take the issue of consent. If I have a smart assistant in my home and then I invite someone in, like, have they consented to them potentially being recorded by it and, you know, being under surveillance? And then there's ownership. As we become more reliant on technology, our concept of kind of ownership, we don't really own anything anymore. And I'm not saying necessarily owning things is a good thing. You know, we shouldn't have to do it, but it does change our relationship with society. There's a lot we need to navigate in our ever more digital world. And it can be hard to stop and catch your breath with the rate at which things are developing. But for now, at least, the benefits that tech affords do seem to outweigh the uncertainty of the future. I'll continue to put my dystopian daydreams to one side. I think those core things will always be too wrapped up in people's lives now to untangle, you know. Those core pieces of tech, I think, they leave them alone. I think they, they, they need to stay for me. They need to stick around. Thanks for listening to today's show. In the words of Arnie, I'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of Witch Investigates, where I'll be playing Package Holiday Roulette. Ooh. Did you enjoy this episode? Get in touch to let us know and feel free to send any suggestions for what we can cover in the future. We've got a free tech newsletter that's packed with advice around buying and using tech that you can sign up for at witch.co.uk forward slash newsletters. And we've also got other podcasts that you can listen to, including the hugely successful Witch Money Pod. Check it out wherever you're listening. Today's episode was presented by me, Grace Farrell, written and produced by Rob Lilly. Editing and original music is by Eric Breer. And our executive producer is Angus Parker. A special thanks this week to Lisa Barber, Andy Lachlan, Martin Pratt, and everyone else on the product testing and tech teams here at Witch. 
I'll see you again next time for our next investigation.